Welcome, our fellow lovers of love, and thank you for joining us on yet another excursion through the stream of consciousness down the river of tranquility to fill the lake of life with love. And good evening, our fellow lovers of love out there. We are in for another ride through Reddit, shall we say. Yes. Yeah, it's another Reddit ride night. And we want to wish you a happy new year. If you've caught us just before the new year or if you catch us next week, just after the new year, we want to make sure we wish you the best new year possible. No matter how good your last year was, may the next one be better. And if you had a rough 2023, may 2024 be uh, much brighter, I think, is a, is a good wish. You know, yeah. may everybody have a bit brighter 24 than your 23 was. Either, you know, hopefully you're continuing an upswing, but if not, you know, may 2023 be the depths of your pit and it's time to start clawing <laughs> your way out. We've been there, right? Both of us have been there many times. Oh my times. Uh, yes. Many times, many, many times. This would not so over a lifetime, please. Uh, I don't I I can't even count. Yeah, let's not even count. So we've got our normal questions about life, love, relationships, and some work questions. And if you uh stick around till the end, Lubby has some some uh, sex questions in there. So you know, you have to keep those till the end so you stick around, I suppose, is the well, and it also gives a chance for people who don't want to participate. They can. No, no, I don't mind the questions. We're going to have to figure out how to do that yeah. if we ever go on the. We're, I'm thinking about putting this on the radio, which means you got FCC regulations to deal with. And it's not that we can't cover them. It's just you have to be careful how you frame the frame them and discuss yeah. them and words you use and all that. So anyway. That's for a future discussion, and so we're going to go just hop right in tonight. What do we have tonight, my love? Well, we're going to start out with relationships. All right. Okay. Found out I'm 25 female, heavily pregnant. Is it wrong if I tell his 24 male parents after being blocked? Okay. She found out she was pregnant when she was four months along. Uh-huh. She had no idea. He, she's no longer involved with the father long ago. That's long gone. Uh And he he blocked her. So she can't even tell him. But she wants to know, should she tell his parents they're going to be grandparents? Yes. They'll want to know. Yeah, they they will. They may not be happy about it, but they'll want to know. They just will. And quite frankly, you'll want them in your child's life. Most likely. I mean, 90% of the time, you'll want them in your life, right? There's that 10% of people who you don't want in your life. But if you're asking this question, they're not that type of people, generally speaking. So, because you know. So, yes, you have, they have every right to know, right? They're part of that child's life anyway. And that child deserves to have them in their life, especially if they're a positive influence. Yes. So... So, no, it's not wrong. It's actually the right thing to do. It's a difficult conversation. I don't envy it. You know, there's no tactful way to do it. Whichever one you happen to be closest to, you know, ask them out for coffee. And I suspect is probably the kindest way to do it. Yes. You know, but if you're not up for that, uh, uh, you know, a 
a well a well worded message on Facebook or text isn't out of it wouldn't be wrong. It's it's not the preferred way, but I wouldn't say it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, try to have the conversation would be my suggestion. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Okay. My twenty female twenty eight gynecologist, female forty five fifty five, insists on inviting me to dinner. Should I change doctors? Dude, yeah. Why would you just keep going? Well, maybe you're attracted to the gynecologist. I mean, probably not because of the way you're asking the question. But if you are going to have a personal relationship, you changed gynecologist. That's isn't that a conflict? Um, well, yes and no. Uh, I mean, once you become there, are some hypocritical something. Right, which is what during the dating part process, you should find another gynecologist. But once they become married, it's often that doctors look after their their spouses. But yes, if you are going to explore a romantic relationship, you should at this point of it, you should change doc gynecologist. If you're not interested, just be forward and say you're not interested. It's entirely possible they just want to be friends. Maybe you have some shared interests, you know. Maybe you both like disc golf or something. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> we should probably invite you out to play some disc golf rather than dinner. But you know what I'm saying is, it doesn't have to be. It can't really be just shared interests or, or something. My guess is it's romantically, and she wants to be romantically involved with you. And if you're willing to do that, just do it ethically and change doctors. Yeah. Yeah. Or just be forward. Now, quite frankly, you probably want to change doctors anyway because it's going to be awkward. So I know. So that's probably the bigger issue. I wouldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I, how I would do it. All right. So what's next? Okay. Husband read my diary. Husband, 34 male, read my 29 female diary and won't forgive what he read. Okay, they were going through a rough patch. And, mm -hmm. she, and rather than, you know, talk to her mom and, and, and mom maybe have bad feelings about him, she vented in a diary. Mm -hmm. And she vented. Yes. She said things, she wrote down things she would never have said to him. Yes. And he read diary. Oh. This yeah. is why you don't read diaries. Yes, people. this is why you don't read diaries because they're thoughts you don't really want to know. Because sometimes people are just working through emotions, right? When they're writing diaries and they're journaling, they're not, they're trying to figure out if they're real or not, right? And you can't figure out if something's real or not until you can express it and work your way through it. And so, yeah, he shouldn't have read the diary. But of course he's going to feel hurt. It's a natural human reaction. So honor everything. It's my suggestion. If you're ever going to move past it, you have to honor everything. You have to honor his hurt. And then after you honor his hurt, he's going to have to honor your hurt that you violated your privacy and read a diary. Yeah. That, and But here's the other thing. There's a third thing you're going to have to honor. That you've actually, by not finding a way to tactfully express these things in your relationship, you violated the terms of your relationship as well. These are things your spouse needs to know that you're feeling so they can understand where the relationship is at. Otherwise, you've got a false feeling of what the relationship is. You can do that kindly. 
you know, not saying it's easy, but after you've journaled and you've worked through your feelings, you should have gone to your husband and had a discussion. And when you can get to that point, then your relationship can start to heal. But you can't get there until, until first you honor his hurt because then he can get past it and then he can be in the place where he can honor yours because he's going to have to because you won't be able to get past it. And then you're going to have to honor this hurt together that your relationship was in a place where you didn't feel comfortable figuring out a way to express yourself to him. And once you get past that point, though... Well, apparently that's one of their issues, yeah. That's one of many, many, many couples' issues. That's not... When you boil down all these problems, it's where it lies, fundamentally, in many, many relationships. You know, we're not perfect. We have the same issues. We tend to correct them when we when we stumble into them. But, you know, we still stumble into them. We're human. This is a very human well, thing. Yeah, we... Yeah, we that's why we discuss. Yeah, it's a very human thing. We have these check-ins. Yeah. You know, and I like that I'm allowed to ask questions. And some pretty tough ones. Are you feeling such and such? You know, <laughs> yeah, sometimes they, 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 sometimes they feel kind of brutal, but you know, I'm sorry. Way. Yeah, but, but, you know, we're well-practiced at this, but still, you know, practice makes perfect. So honor the, honor the hurt. Everybody's going to have to honor the hurt. So you're going to have to honor his. So, you know, he can honor yours. And why should you start instead of him? Because you're the one who's pressing at the moment. Sometimes it'll be on the other foot. When it's a functional relationship that the person who takes this first step will change. Because it doesn't really matter because the end goal is to have a functional relationship. And so it doesn't matter who goes first unless one person has continually kind of always gone first. That becomes a problem. Yeah. But that's a different problem. All right. So what's next? Okay. I, 27 male, don't know what to do after seeing how my girlfriend, 25 female, interacted with her ex um, in a situation. Help. Okay. Yeah, they I need more ran in, they ran into him in a restaurant and she flipped him off. Freaked him out. Yeah, I uh, <sighs> A, she's still young. She's 25. It kind of thing is I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into it unless she can't have a discussion about it. I mean, she all seems all sweetness and lights until she sees someone who you know, you don't know the ins and outs of the relationship. She may very well have good reasons to want to flip them out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and at 25, you're more likely to do that at thir than at 35. You just are. At 35, you're more likely to just go, whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have the, you've got more things to think about. And, you know, you don't, you've got, don't have enough energy to put the thought into it and, and all that kind of stuff. You, you don't want to, it just, it's not worth it. But at 25, you're all piss and vinegar. <laughs> and so unless she can't talk about it and, you know, maybe there's reasons she can't talk about it, but if she can't at least discuss the reasons she can't talk about it, then that's the more of an issue by itself. I don't think it's that huge of a deal. You know, it gives you a sign that she's been hurt and traumatized and maybe you might want to, you know, 
if you truly love her, you'll want to help her through it if you can. Yeah. Or if not, maybe she just owes him, he owes him 3000 She'd feel like she owes him like thousands of dollars. And so she's just really mad. And, you know, that's just going to take some time to get over. And <laughs> at the, if, if it's kind of a one-off thing and then you're in your young 20s, I don't worry about it so much. How's yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about it that much. Now, if she had gone over and made a huge big old scene, that's... Then, then you got an issue. <laughs> then you got an issue, yeah. All right, what's next? Okay, my 23 male girlfriend, 22 female, for over four years, just told me she has a backup boyfriend who she intends to marry. I am just speechless. How should I react? Is this like one of those things where two best friends say, if you're not married by 35, we're, you'll, we'll go ahead? Yeah. Don't put, how, how old are these? They're, tw- they're in their late 20s. They're in their um, early 20s. No, early 20s. Don't put much stock into these things at early 20s. I, I just, if anything, she's angling to point out she wants a ring on her finger from you. <laughs> You know, why she just don't say so <laughs> is another thing. Ooh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's the, the only reason, this is the only reason she's going to tell him this is so he either cut baits or or hooks the fit line, right? It, it, it's the signal. She wants to settle down. If it's with him, it's him. If it's with somebody else, it's with somebody else. That's what she's telling him. She's ready to settle down. Question is, are you? What she's telling you is she's got a longtime friend. They're, she's probably, you know, maybe they said something stupid like 25, thinking 25 was old. And, <laughs> you know, back when they were 13, 12, 13 years old or something, right? You know how these things go. I wouldn't put too much story into the whole backup boyfriend thing, but the signal, me, the person who misses signals, saying, I think she's saying she wants to know where this relationship is going. My guess is she wants a ring on the finger, you know, whether that means an actual ring or, or the, you know, the modern day marriage type thing, whatever. She wants to know where the relationship sits. And because she wants to know, she has a right to know, even if it's, you're not sure, you know, but sit down, sit down with yourself and figure out where you are and have a conversation with her. That's how you should react. Okay. Okay. I, 28 female, want to move out of my boyfriend's 28 male parent's house, but I don't think he wants to yet. I don't know why. Um, Likely money. It's expensive out there. And, you know, when you have a good living situation, that in a world that's, you know, difficult and expensive, it's difficult to leave. You know, he's comfortable. (laughs) You're not. Right. He's lived there his whole life. Right. Even if, you know, there's a big house or, you know, they've got, they probably have like an apartment in the basement or something. Right. Do they have any more information? Yeah. Or, or are they living in a room, an apartment in the basement? Yeah. Right. And so for him, it's a good living situation for you. It's a little awkward. So have that discussion with him. She probably wants her own place. Yeah. She, she wants to feel like, your own family. She's ready to become a family. And modern people aren't used to generational living like that. Mm -hmm. And so, 
you know, one of two things, either she's going to have to become more comfortable with generational living. And it's different if you have a room versus an apartment type situation. But if you guys are capable of moving into like your own house or something, then that's actually a different story. If you're saving money so you can afford a house and and that's kind of the goal, that's a vastly different situation than if, you know, you're just doing it because it's easy. Mm-hmm. So my guess is have the conversation, find out what the goal is. Are you saving money for to get your own house, to have your own life, make your own life more comfortable when you do move out? Or is he just afraid to move? Right? Why move out? Why go out into the tough, tough world when, you know, you don't have to. And mm-hmm. and there's some practicality to that, right? We don't know how the how old are the parents. Are the parents older or younger? You know, maybe if the parents are getting older and he gets to or of ill health and so they're hanging around is actually a benefit to everybody. There's that possibility. You know, or there's the possibility that his parents would really prefer him to get out so they can rent the room out to somebody else or the different family member or you know. So this just starts with a conversation about actually talking to him why. The fact that you don't know why is the problem. Yeah. Is, is he saving money? Is, you know, maybe there's an emotional attachment. Maybe there's some fear. You know, maybe it's just never considered it because it's it's easy. Yeah, you should know why. It may be silly, but you should know why. <laughs> <laughs> or it may be serious, right? We don't know, but you should know why. You know, you should be coming up. Oh, my God, his reasoning is driving me nuts. That's a different question, right? <laughs> he just doesn't want to go because why should he? It's, you know, you know he doesn't want to be out on his own. There's no, he doesn't see the need. That's a different thing than I don't know why. You should know why. So have the discussion. All right, what's next? My 22 female boyfriend, 22 male, doesn't watch want me watching a TV show because of the sex scenes. Okay, she was watching a, show, a series on Netflix. Uh-huh. And it was a sex education series. Mm-hmm. And he found out about it and he freaked out. Are, are these like a religious people or something? No. Okay. One, you're going to have to figure out why it freaked him out. Because in the modern world, that doesn't seem. Now, I can see why people don't, don't like, you know, I find them boring, personally. Sex scenes in, on TV. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> you know, you don't well, need to, I don't need to actually see it. You can imply it. You can on. imply it. Uh, I think more artistically done is more titillating. I think you can imply it and move on, right? But I don't go, I don't need to be titillated in my entertainment, in my casual entertainment. If I want to be titillated, I'm going past casual entertainment, quite frankly. <laughs> you know what you, I'm saying? You don't like a little, you know. She comes walking out in lingerie and you fade into the candlelight. Well, no, if you like something like that where you, okay, everybody knows what's going to happen. And so then you can cut on and move on with the story. Yeah. Great. It's kind of like 1980s TV violence, right? Where everybody shoots a guns, but nobody ever gets hit except for the one person who's got a <laughs> scrape on their thing. <laughs> right. It's implied violence. You never, you know, there's never any of the graphic violence that we have today. You don't need for me. Right. Other people enjoy it. And I'm not going to I have no desire to to, you know, judge other people's entertainment choices. 
but for me, I kind of get it. I don't need to see the graphic sex scenes or the graphic violence. But I would never say you can't watch it because I don't like it. Well, she was white, but she doesn't understand is it was an educational series. Now, if I had to guess. And she and she's young. Uh-huh. She's curious. Uh-huh. She wants to learn more. She thought this was rather the smart way to go about it. It probably is. He's young and insecure. Maybe he feels like he's punching above his league and he's going to discover that. (laughs) (laughs) That plays a bigger role in men's decision-making than you all would like to think. Remember, we, we get rejected a lot before someone agrees. And that has a long-term impact on, on the psyche. And so when you do catch someone, and maybe she is out of your league, or <laughs> you know, everything's going to make you insecure, especially when you're already young and insecure. So the thing is to have a conversation. Again, just find a way to have a conversation. It won't be easy, and it won't take one, right? You're probably likely going to have to have a number of little conversations to figure out exactly what it is he's worried about my guess is he's just worried about you know it's the imposter syndrome he's you're going to find out he doesn't know what the hell he's doing (laughs) (laughs) and going to go look for something better rather than you know this is a journey you can both go on together you know or he's a prude there's the other you know it's not out the realm of possibility that he's just a prude and you know, gets all sex seems icky, and you guys aren't destined for a long term relationship. Yeah, and if that's not out the realm of possibility. It's probably not likely, but it's not out the realm of possibility. Okay, what's next? Okay, I uh, eighteen male want to buy my girlfriend a promise ring. Now he wants to know if it's okay to do something like this. He's uh, rather than an engagement ring because. He's headed off into college, and he wants an engagement. He wants to be together, mm-hmm. but he's headed off into college, so they're going to have to do the long-distance thing for a while, uh, you know, for a couple of years. So he wonders if it's, you know, if he's being smart, if he's doing the right thing. Should he give her an engagement ring and lock it in? I mean, he's only 18. Well, and an engagement ring isn't going to lock it in any more than a promise ring is. Or not, quite frankly. At 18, 19, whether you guys have a committed relationship is going to have nothing to do with the ring. Now, maybe you want to symbolize it with a ring. That's fine. You know. Um, it's kind of a risk. A Nineteen-year giving a nineteen-year-old woman a ring because you never know how she's going to react at nineteen. Is she ready for a, a life commitment or not? Even if it's a theoretical life commitment, she may not be ready for it. You know that's the problem with you know. 18, 19 year old relationships when you both are going off to college in different spaces and whatnot, right? Because now you're off into a completely different section of your life. It's like you've now put down, it's not like you've changed chapters, you've changed volumes, right? You've got your first volume of your personal encyclopedia, that one's now closed, and now you've moved off to another one. 
And some things will be brought forward and some won't. And that promise ring or even engagement ring or even a marriage isn't necessarily going to determine that. Now, I'm all for symbolism, symbolism in relationships, right? So if you want a symbol that you're going to try, <laughs> if you want to, uh, there's a, I have a different answer for that one. But if, there's a, if you want a symbol that you want to try, that you're willing to try, that you're going to try to make this work over the thing, then it's fine. You know, if you're just doing it hoping, it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're heddling. We're heddling into. Heddle. Head, heddle. Heading head, into parenting. Head, 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 heddling. Heddling. We're into. heddling into parenting. <laughs> okay parenting question okay this one is about a request for seating my newborn okay this baby's six weeks old uh -huh. she had it and her sister was on a cruise came back and um now the sister wants to see the baby but she has a cold mm -hmm. and and the mom is saying no man you get checked for covid first you know, and the sister, Dassie, and sister won't talk to her. She'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't bring, don't bring known colds around, around infants. There, That's the thing, especially if you've just gone on a cruise. It's not even COVID. Lord knows. I mean, you're going to get exposed to COVID anyway. But it's all the stuff that you're not normally exposed to that that uh, is a bigger issue. So my thing is your uh, sister will get over it. So how's that for an answer? Yeah. Yeah. Stand your ground. You're all good. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be a, you know, don't go over the board about it. Just stand your ground, you know, politely, kindly, with the love, stand your ground. Okay. How do I handle the madness of visiting for a divorce set of grandparents? Well, you're not going to be able to do it all in one day. You're going to have to do Christmas Eve and then Christmas Day and make breakfast and dinner yeah. on those days. Well, they're going to have to understand that they're going to have to celebrate the Christmas season, not Christmas Day with their grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah, and it may not. It may get spread out over a week. It may get, Sometimes, you know, these things have to get spread out over two. It ends up being like Christmas in one thing, New Year's in the other. Maybe you reverse it next year. And everybody's just going to have to accept it, uh, you know, them and you. You know, you can only do so much. And you try to do too much, you're actually going to destroy the day for everybody. So take your time. People understand far more than you think they will. Yeah, as long as you're making the effort to keep everybody involved, people will understand. And if they don't, well, that's a sign that, you know, you're probably doing the right thing. You know, accommodate them. Re rotate, you know, on which days, who gets Christmas Eve, who gets Christmas, which things are important. If one family has a really long-term family tradition, you know, maybe you work around that one, you know? Where every a whole big family gets together, and you can knock out a huge bunch of fa seeing families in one swing. Maybe you work around that one, right? 
but that's just be, being practical. But, you know, you'll find it. You'll figure it out. Just give yourself, understand you have the Christmas season, the holiday season to deal with these things, not just the days, the immediate day or two. Yeah. Yeah. Do you censor what your kids read? Ooh, I didn't get that one. Um, no, I never did. I never censored what they read. I never censored what games they played. I never censored what they watched on TV or videos or anything like that. It just wasn't what uh, I felt. And this is back when the internet was first beginning. That they were going to have to learn to use and live with this technology. And preventing them from it was a, a mistake. Let them learn how to use it. Let them, you know, learn its ins and outs and foibles. Now, I was always able to, you know, have a watchful eye, shall we say, <laughs> to keep them, you know, make sure they didn't cross too many barriers that they shouldn't cross. Or if they did cross barriers, they shouldn't cross the, you know, the things didn't get back to the house. <laughs> yeah, I have tricks. So, you know, so they were always relatively safe in terms of that then in fact it's easier today than it even was then to keep them safe because they're, in a sense they're lost in an ocean yeah yeah the easiest place to hide is in plain sight when when you're with a million people <laughs> yeah when there's so many people that you can just stand there and hide in plain sight all you have to do is look normal and no one's going to pay any attention to you Man, it's the easiest way to hide. But so my thing was no. But when you're talking about books, you you actually have to physically hand these children a book. Right. And so making sure they have age appropriate, and especially if you're talking young kids, you're gonna give them things that are in their reading level and that are gonna help them push them just a little. And that as generally speaking, it's not gonna be you're not gonna give them things that are something you don't want them to read so this is one of these questions that until they're teenagers it's not really an issue and when they're teenagers they're going to find it anyway so trying to censor it is a pointless task you're better off you know knowing what they're reading knowing what they're doing so you can probably help them navigate it so no i don't censor what my kids read never was the thing i did in terms of the, even the internet or anything games they played or you know hey they'll learn the lesson like when my daughter watched a scary movie when she was too young she learned the lesson she didn't do it again until she was a teenager <laughs> it only took once <laughs> she's got three older brothers it was gonna happen whether it happened that day or next week or the next month it was gonna happen and so she was able to experience this under her own control. She learned her lesson and, you know, she's a perfectly adjusted child now. Well, young adult. Okay. Mid twenties. God, my kids are getting old. Okay. What's next? <laughs> daughter wants to take a bath with me. Six. Uh, daughter six wants to take a bath with me. Mom. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. She's curious. Yeah, there's nothing. She's not even curious. She just wants to take a bath with you because bath time's fun. She plays with you all the time. Hey, let's take a bath together. The reality is it's just too much of a pain in the butt. 
<laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> Taking a bath with a six-year-old is just a royal pain in the butt. You know, take her swimming. Go find a spa, and you'll have more of a better time than playing in the bathtub. Yeah, she's a water baby. She wants to play with you in the water. So go find a, you know, go to the gym or something, the YMCA. Who knows? Find some place where you can go into a hot tub with her or something. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be my suggestion. You can solve the problem without, you know, the awkwardness. All right. How to decline polydates? Just tell her you don't have the time. That's the easy one. And, and then you go, yeah. That's that's a simple one. You just say you don't have time. You can you never quite are able to lock in a schedule. You're always busy when they have a time. Dentist appointment, hair appointments, doctor's appointment. Meetings. Meetings are great. Because I can always schedule a meeting if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> So I can always make sure I'm in a meeting if I have to. So that would be my suggestion. Just politely decline. There's nothing wrong with politely declining. You're allowed as a human being to politely decline invitations. You know? Sorry, no thank you. We don't have time. We're busy. If you really feel like you need to give a reason, but you can just say. Say no, thank you. Say no, we're good. Thank you. All right. So what's next? Okay. This one's rich. Uh-huh. Ten month old won't stop crawling into the kitchen. Okay. This mom feels that because she has made it clear the boundary, the tiles in the kitchen are off the limits. The ten month old baby will not crawl in there. Uh huh. And she thinks this ten year old baby that understands what she said. Yeah. Okay, well, that's the fundamental problem. <laughs> well, th- she's very clearly, every time she he crawls in there, she picks him up and takes him back to his toys in the living room. And he starts crying. He wants to go r- crawl in the tiles in the kitchen. Yeah, he get, he wants to spend time around you. Yeah, yeah, imagine did that. He's a child. Yeah. This is something everybody deals with. This is one of those things where you either get a baby gate, so they can't crawl into the kitchen, or you put them in there, strap them into their, you know, bouncer seat in the floor in the kitchen out of the way so they can watch you cook while you're in the kitchen. (laughs) You know, because you're right, you can't have them crawling around on the kitchen floor while you're cooking dinner. It's dangerous, but you can, you know, include them in the process. You know, if you've got a big counter, you can put them on their bouncing baby thing at a year old. You can still get it on the counter, yeah, even at a year. So you still got a couple of months. That can last for long. If you've got a space for a baby gate, you put them at the baby gate, and they sit on the outside, and they cry until they accept it, and then sitting around and at the edge of the baby gate and play with their ball or their doll or whatever the heck their favorite toys are. It's what they do. Yeah. What they don't do is understand what the heck you're trying to tell them. They don't have that kind of reasoning cognitive skills yet. <laughs> they don't even understand it. I put them back and they keep coming. Yeah, yeah, because they want. And that's all they care about at 10 months old. That's it. They have a want. And they're going to go, they want that want. And they're going to cry for it or try to go get it if they're mobile. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
So you have to adjust the environment to suit them at this point. You know, it's not too much longer. You've got another nine months before you can start. You know. Luckily, right about the time they start walking is the time they can start actually teaching them not to do things. It's, it's funny how that works. Really. Mm. It's right around when they walk is the word no actually becomes an effective educational And tool. that's another. Oh, yeah. And then they learn how to say no. Yeah. And that's fine. a whole other phase. Yeah. Yeah. But and there's a lot of people who say you shouldn't tell your kids no. No. Kids need to learn to accept no's. Life is full of no's. <laughs> Life is full of no's. You've got to learn to accept no's. And, and you teach them that really early. You teach them how to do that. Okay, so what's next? How to know my kid if my kid is actually reading his book? Okay, this little boy is twelve, and he's burning through a novel in like two days. Okay. So just ask him what it was about. That's actually a very simple question. You don't have to ask him for a full fledged book report. Just ask him what it was about. Have him name a few characters. Best questions. Yeah, but it's also not uncommon for kids to be able to burn through a novel. Lots of kids are fast readers. If he's a fast reader, stop giving him fiction. (laughs) Stop feeding him candy, feed him education. That's would be my suggestion. History. Yeah. You don't... I'm not going to say you don't learn anything from fiction because you can learn concepts and whatnot, but, you know, start sprinkling in some. Well, she worked in the classics. He's on the classics right now, you know, Robinson Crusoe. That's all fine. It's still fiction. And if, if you've got someone who can read and absorb information quickly, throw in some, uh, some good big books on economics, um, sociology, uh, uh, philosophy. Right? Throwing some nonfiction in there. It doesn't have to be boring. I'm not saying you give him a history textbook to read. I'm saying, you know, you go off and you find some 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 good books on on various issues, on subjects, and have them go through it. Right? Start with like things like economics. At 12 years old, he's very good, you know. Economics is a good time to start hitting with economics and philosophy, and especially if they can read quickly. All right, so what's next? Okay. Is it wrong for us to comment on a family member's parenting? Well, comment when and where? What's the situation? Who are you commenting to? Well, her mother-in-law had a late-life child. Uh-huh. And she's a teenager. hmm And she's dressing provocatively. And have you seen how these kids are dressing these days? So she's a pretty much a normal teenager, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, mind your own business. That's my thing. Unless, unless somebody's actually genuinely in danger, you know, mind your own business. That's my suggestion when it comes to commenting on other people's parenting. It's perfectly fine to have discussions with, say, other family members or other people who care deeply about, you know, the family and the people involved. Just to kind of compare notes and make sure there's nothing that you're not, you know, and maybe all of you have a little piece of the puzzle. You put it together. There may be something disturbing going on. I kind of doubt it, 
probably just a relatively normal, rebellious teenager <laughs> dressing provocatively, piss off the adults, and <laughs> seems to be doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what teenagers have done since the beginning of time. We went to raves, stayed out all night and went to raves in the 80s. Well, I didn't. I did stay out all night, but I didn't go to raves. But, you know, I went to the river and hung out Same principle. Yeah, we hung out all night. Pissed off the adults. We went to rock quarries. Yeah. See, everybody had their thing to piss off the adults. You guys hanging out all night. You should be doing something useful. Yeah. 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 You should be sleeping. Yeah. I know you're going to be sleeping all day. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wake up till noon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it ain't nothing changed. So, no, it's so just mind your own business unless there's something genuinely disturbing. And though dressing provocatively to piss off the adults isn't disturbing, it's perfectly normal behavior. You may not like it, but it's perfectly normal. Okay, what's next? Okay, does your baby like cuddles? Her baby doesn't like to cuddle. No, he will go to sleep in the crook of their arm after mm -hmm. he's eaten. Mm -hmm. But to be awake and cuddle up in a chair and just nuzzle together. The baby's just not into it. it okay, there's... A, as an infant, you don't never want to project something onto far things, but maybe pay attention to having sensory overload. Maybe an early sign of autism or something like that on the spectrum, because if you, maybe it's just sensory overload. See, to some people, cuddles are kind and refreshing, and to others, sensory overload. Too much input. And so if the baby's getting too much input, you know, doesn't want him. He doesn't want it. The physical touch is too much. Can't, senses can't make heads or tails of it, so doesn't look for it. Or he's just not a huggly, cuddly baby. <laughs> sometimes life's like them sometimes. You know, they're like that sometimes. Personalities are what personalities are. You're learning about your child. Yeah. He's not a cuddler. Yeah. Now. Now. He might be when he's two. You know, you don't know. There, there's These things don't make any sense. So, A, unless, you know, some maybe it's a sign to pay attention to issues with sensory overload. Something to think about. Put it about in the back of the mind. Wouldn't overthink it at the moment. But, you know, something not to not consider. You don't want to not consider it, but I wouldn't worry too much about it yeah. at the moment. Okay, what's next? We have work questions. Okay. I work th three days on, four days off. Am I ungrateful? Because he's bored. He's bored on his off day? Yeah. Uh, on day three? You got nothing yeah, to do? yeah, nothing to do. Well, okay. I think this is what a hobby is for. And you've got nothing to do and you're feeling bored, but you don't want to go to work. This is when you, you know, find a hobby. Maybe, you know, find some side work if you really want to work. You know, find a part-time gig, make a little extra money. Spend some time helping those less fortunate. Volunteer some time somewhere. You know, offer your skills for a not to a nonprofit. You know, do some things that make you feel better about yourself. Yeah. 
it's okay. And you know, it's okay to to feel guilty for having a good, you know, a good lifestyle that you enjoy that gives you time to be bored. You know, it's okay to feel a little guilty. What's okay is what's not okay is to not do anything about it. If you're feeling guilty, that means some part of you, somewhere inside of you, telling you you should be doing something more productive with your time than sitting back eating Cheetos watching Netflix. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what that's telling you. But you can fill it with anything you want. You can fill it with a hobby. You can fill it with going out and spending some time with your friends, making some friends, helping people less fortunate. Spending some time on a on a um, with for a nonprofit, something you care about. Pick something, <laughs> yeah, literally, just something. Whatever comes to mind. If that's not it, pick something else later. It's, there's no pressure. You get to you get to be the judge. It's great. Congratulations. But that that ping of guilt it just means that your mind is telling you you should be doing something more productive. So find something more productive. Yeah, you don't have to feel guilty about it. Just, just do it. And are you feeling? Are you ungrateful? No, you're just feeling a little guilty. Then that's a solvable problem. Okay. Should I or how do I approach my boss that my coworker screwed up and she deleted the evidence? You have a conversation. I mean, it's not an easy conversation to do. But, you know, when you have a private moment with your boss, you know, and sometimes you may need to engineer one. Say, hey, I need to talk to you for him when you got a minute. And you go and just, just have the conversation. You know, just think, hey, I think you should know this is what happened. And, you know, you can't delete as much evidence as people think you can. They have ways to know. The, the lack of evidence isn't in itself evidence. When, when people go to look. So, anyway, because uh, the problem, they need to know that there's a problem, right? Yes. It's really not even about talent. Or not. It's, it has nothing to really do about your coworker. Your good coworker deleting the evidence is really essentially non-consequential. The real problem is there's an error that needs to be corrected. And if she's not going to correct it, your coworker isn't going to correct it then it, you kind of have an obligation to let someone know that something needs to be corrected. Something needs to be fixed. The problem that's going to come up and bite you guys in the butt at some point, and, and you all should know. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How do I tell my boss that I am disappointed in the effort a coworker put in while covering for me? You don't. And you sit down and you shut up and you go back and you do your job. Someone covered for you. You know? If you have a conversation, if your boss asks you, hey, how'd they do when they covered for you? You can tell them. But someone covered for you. Don't expect them to do your job the way you want it done. <laughs> right? If you want the job done the way you want it done, you should have been there to do it. And if you couldn't do it, you thank the person who did the best job they could on that particular day and you clean up the messes that they left. It's what happens because, you know, it doesn't matter that they didn't, you know, maybe they had their own tasks to do. You know, you don't know what they went through that day because you weren't there. 
you know, and maybe you're legitimately like weren't there. Maybe you were sick. Maybe it was a planned day off and blah, 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 blah. Great. You earned it. Congratulations. But, you know, don't be mean to someone who did you a favor. <laughs> you tried. Right. If you have a problem with how they did the work, maybe you ask them if they need help understanding how to do it next time. You know, when someone when someone covered for me recently and they made a mistake, I didn't say, oh, here, you made a mistake. So here, my notes weren't clear. Let's go over it again. So next time this doesn't happen. Right? I blamed me. My notes were perfectly clear, but I blamed me. Because I want him to next time to do a to want to do a better job, right? Because he's going to have to cover for me next time, and mistakes are easy to make, <laughs> right? And so hammering someone because they made a mistake when they got thrown under a bus and had to cover for you last minute, you're not being a good teammate. Being a good teammate is say, hey, hey, when you covered for me the other day. I appreciate all you did. Here's some things that happened. And look, you know, if you need some help, talk to us, talk about it. So if you ever have to cover for me again, you know, it can go smoother for you. Don't blame them for trying to help. You know, these may still have had to do their job and, and yours. And so, yeah, your, your task got half asset effort because he's trying to squeeze 10 hours of 10, 12 hours of work in an eight hour day. And you don't know. So anyway, just deal with it on a personal level if you if you can, if you really feel you need to. But if you know, if it's a one time thing, thank them for doing the best they can. All right, what's next? Coworker handing me his work. How would you handle it? Seriously, this guy's trying to get him to do his work. And you you just don't do it. He says, you can put it there all you want. It's not gonna get done. <laughs> I'm not doing your work for you. You just have to be blunt. So my guess is you've probably set a precedent where you're willing to do people's work, which is fine. You're willing to help out when someone else is busy and you're not so busy, right? I do it all the time. But, you know, there's a difference when someone is coming, routinely coming to you, trying to hand you off their work so they can go be lazy. So, right? Mm -hmm. So it really depends how they're doing it and, and routine but if they're generally just trying to hand off their work to you then you just tell them no you know and if you leave it on your desk when you're gone or something you just go leave it on theirs <laughs> yeah i don't know what you want me to do with this it's yours it's not my not my thing and if they continue to do it you talk to their boss supervisor about it but generally speaking just standing your ground one time is generally all it takes yeah yeah. How much, if any, is an appropriate man of work on personal time off? And how do you tell a supervisor, no, I'm on personal time off? They keep calling his cell phone. Well, okay, this is one of these things that really kind of depends on the nature of your job. Right? Because, you know, I have a job where even if I'm on off time, due to FCC regulations, I have to be within three hours of being able to turn stuff off in an emergency. So even when I'm off, I'm technically not off, right? You're kind of on call. And if you're in a small company and you have some, and you're a person who has a lot of knowledge that other people don't have, 
and you're not there, you kind of have to accept the fact that in a in certain situations, you know, problems happen, they're going to need to reach out to you and talk to you and ask you questions, right? As long as they're quick questions and you don't have to spend an hour in a meeting, you know, it's fine, right? Be a team player, you know, call for five minutes, answer the way, you know, have them leave a message, call them back, give the quick answer. Now, if they're just, if you're in a large corporation and they're just being lazy and doesn't don't want to actually properly schedule for, you know, your time off, that's a different question. So there's not a single answer to this, right? You have to know your role in the company, what you're getting paid for. <laughs> you know, sometimes the reason you get paid so much isn't because of the work you do. It's because you're always quasi on call. I, you're never really off. You know, even when you're off, you may get called in and have to go fix a problem. And so when you're on your paid time off, you may get called to help someone fix a problem. Now, if you're at a funeral, don't answer the phone, <laughs> you know, but if you're just, you know, sitting watching Netflix and eating bonbons, you know, <laughs> be a good human being, help, help, a, help a friend out, <laughs> help a coworker out. Right. But also it depends on the relationship you have with the, with the company. If you have a good relationship with the company, they treat you well. You'll respond differently than if it's a company that takes advantage of you and doesn't treat you well, right? Yeah. There's also the difference there. But these are one of those things that's why uh, why you treat your employees well so they don't mind so much when an emergency happens and, they've got, and you've got to call them while you're on vacation. While they're on vacation, that they'll pick up the freaking phone. All right, what's next? Um, okay. Is an 18-hour notice too much Make, for, for six time? What do you mean? Well, they can they got food poisoning. Okay. I don't I still don't understand. When you, you 18 hours before they had were supposed to report to work, they wanted to call in. My own. Is that too much? I don't understand the question. What do you mean? Is it too much? You call in sick when it's time to call in sick. I understand. Is there a time limit? Well, yes and no. But if you're calling in sick 18 hours before, you don't even know if you're going to be sick in the morning. Just because you're you're violently ill now doesn't mean you're going to even remotely feel even remotely sick tomorrow if you have food poison, if you got it out your system quick enough. Right? You'll be perfectly normal in 12 hours. So the question is, are you just trying to use, you know, your sick time as an excuse, which is perfectly fine with me, but, you know, maybe it might be smarter to call somewhere closer to work. Say, sorry, I got food poisoning last night. I'm still not feeling good. Now, it may depend on the type of work you have. You know, if someone needs to find a replacement for you, if you're a waitress and someone needs to find a replacement, you it's a busy Friday night that you're going to be calling out sick on, yeah. you maybe want to give them some head up, heads up. You know, it's maybe a bit different yeah. than if when you call in sick, nothing really happens, <laughs> you know, or you're, or you're, uh, you know, you work in a big, huge call center and it, one person being gone is no big deal. No one's even going to miss you. Then it doesn't matter. But my question really is why are you trying to call out sick 18 hours before you give notice? 
You don't even know if you're going to be sick yet. <laughs> you want a day off? I, I, I'm perfectly fine with wanting to take a, a mental health day or, or, or whatever, you know, have, using it as an excuse to take an extra day off. I don't mind. I'm not being a, a prude person or anything like that here. I'm just saying if it's, you know, be honest to yourself about what you're doing. <laughs> you don't even know you're going to be sick. Not You're not going to be well enough to go to work. You're just wanting to say, hey, I have an excuse not to go to work tomorrow. Can I, should I use it? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> I don't mind. Go ahead. Use it. Use it as a great excuse. Call up in the morning. No, oh, sorry. I can't make it to work. I, I had food poisoned up all night. I, you know, I got to be close to the bathroom. Whatever your excuse you want to say, <laughs> lock yourself out. I'm just saying be honest with yourself about doing it. I don't care if you lie to your boss. Don't lie to yourself. <laughs> okay. How do I deflect personal questions from coworkers? She just wants to come in, do her job, and go home. Um, just, you give the this. This is when being a politician actually can come in handy. Is when you learn how to deflect and give answers without giving answers. Oh man, we're gonna have to get to sex questions. Um, we're gonna be it's gonna be a long show tonight. Uh. So you just don't answer them. You know, when someone asks, hey, do you have any kids? Well, I mean, you answer that. But, you know, you don't have to get into the best way. Okay, here's the thing. The best way to not have to answer questions is to give the most boring answer, but true possible. How many? Hey, you have any kids? Three. Or yes. How many? Three. What are their names? Fred. Betty, Wilma, how old are they? People won't want to talk to you. They won't. <laughs> so the best way to answer those questions is to either, A, just kind of not answer them. You know, I don't really feel like talking about these kind of things. And all right, fine. People won't talk to you. And But the other way is to answer them in the most boring but truthful way possible. And then no one will want to talk to you. And if that's really what you want, and I have no problems with it being, I, you know, suggest that you probably would be a little happier being a little friendlier to some of your coworkers, but <laughs> not being judgmental, you'll get it. Malicious compliance kind of thing, right? Give them exactly what they want. Yeah. Yeah, just be boring, and no one will want to talk to you. All right, do you want to answer the last one? This last work question, I think it's interesting. Will I still get paid if I quit a job after one day? He worked <laughs> for six hours. He wants paid. Yeah. Legally, yes, he'll get paid. Now, how many people will actually go pick up that paycheck is a different question. You know, most people, if they work six hours and go home, and because you don't want to work there, just aren't going to go back for the paycheck. That's not worth it. Not worth the embarrassment. But yeah, you know, there's lots of people who have day labor jobs. All right, let's see if we can get through some of these sex questions. And some of these, I need details because what's this next one? Okay. Do I have a new fetish now? I, okay. Maybe. Now, this lady, uh -huh. uh, his partner involved her feet. 
And now he can't stop thinking about her feet. Yeah. So. Well, he's like, is this a new thing for me now? Is this going to be a. Well, maybe at this stage, you don't know. It may just be, you know, a curiosity at this point. You know, it doesn't necessarily going to turn into a fetish. It, it could just be a curiosity that runs its course in six months. Yeah, you don't know. You know it doesn't make, make it a fetish. But, you know, run with it and see what happens. There's my suggestion. Okay. How do I get him to, you know, do it on my face? To finish on your face? Finish on the face, yes. And he, because she's like really into it, you know, on her body and stuff. She thinks it's fun. Okay. And, and he's like, it's degrading. To who? Him. He? he can't. He can't do it to her. Oh, he feels that he's watched too much porn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if he can't get over this, then you guys are going to have a long-term relationship problem because this is a relatively simple one. I can actually get right. Some people things like like I can't do the spanking thing. I I just can't do it. <laughs> right it's just out of my character it's so far out of my character that it's not i can't i can't bring myself to do it so i can understand that in a sense but this is not that right and if he can't understand the, you know at least on occasion i don't know because you're not, he's not going to want to do it. And then if he is, does it and reluctantly does it, neither one of you is going to have the good time. And, and so it just seems to me like this is a sign that there's something deeper in this relationship that's an issue. Life is such a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this, why is this such a, is this a, actually a deal breaker for you? Yeah. Well, for either one of them, if he can't get past it or she can't, and my guess is, you know, they've been able to talk about it. So it's not like, you know, you need to talk about it. So sometimes strange things can be deal breakers. Right? We're, we're, humans are weird. Oh, that's sad. I didn't say it wasn't sad. I'm just saying strange things can be deal breakers. And, you know, if, because who wants to go through, especially if you're relatively young, you know, it's different in your fifties, and you, you know, you, you so it's you know, it's different, and someone's sexual, you know, preferences don't get met in your fifties. It's different than than it is in your twenties. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. How can you get him to? I don't know. Do something he likes that you don't want that you generally don't trade. Good old fashioned trade. It's not a not a good long term solution for a relationship, but it's a short term one. So how's that? There you go. That's what's next. Post baby sexual confidence after being I don't know shamed by my friends. Oh, what is that? Her mean? body. What they they were making fun of her that she hadn't lost the baby weight at all, and the baby's like two. Well, why are you? One, it's not your friends you need to worry about. It's the person who loves you. I'm assuming she has a partner. Yes. Yeah. It's not your friends that you need to worry about. It's your partner. And your partner's going to love you anyway. And he probably misses your your uh, your company. 
the intimacy. So, you know, he's going to find you as beautiful as you ever were. So think about that one instead of what your friends think. You're asking the wrong group of people would be my suggestion. <laughs> talk to the person who it matters. You know, if you want to feel some sexual confidence, talk to the person who wants you sexually and you'll get an answer you want. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. How's that one? There you go. Yeah. Okay. He wants to go down on me after the gym. Okay. She has always been like freshly washed, waxed. Uh -huh. She's 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 pristine. Uh -huh. And he wants her sweaty. Well, because you know what pristine means. You taste like soap or product rather than like a human being. And hey. Check this out. You can be nice and sweaty and not and not stink and taste bad. So consider yourself lucky. <laughs> I'm just saying, she's got the all best of all worlds. I don't really know what her complaint is. Uh, this well, it just kind of weirds weirds her out. She's uh, still, I, you know feel uncomfortable. Well, I get it, but we go back up to the top one. Is this a deal breaker? Really? No. You know, is it one of those things where she's just going to be uncomfortable, but hey, she can get over it real easy because, hey, it's still some fun. He, my guess is he doesn't like the taste of soap. So, you know, stop tasting like soap when you go to bed. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, and some people like, say, so we say a more earthly flavor to, to those kind. You're going to... Be more earthly flavor in 10 minutes anyway, so might as well start that way. <laughs> I don't know. All right, what's next? Okay, this next question comes to us from a young lady in India. Okay. Who has very little access to information. Okay. Is it possible to get loose through masturbation? Um. Likely no, unless you're using something really large. How's that as a, as as a tool? Yeah, but you do know your body will change over time. Yes, all by itself. It doesn't. Masturbation doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, you you're gonna be different at thirty than you were at twenty, regardless. Yeah, of yeah what, definitely. Regardless and, of what happens down there, and there's changes along yeah. the way. So yeah, yeah. So it's. So your answer is no, not through anything she's likely to engage in. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to do some pretty advanced uh, masturbation techniques with some pretty advanced tools to, <laughs> to, to have an impact. With motors. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. So no, for her, likely to, no, no, there's likely no chance that that's happening. Don't worry about it. And, you know. Enjoy your explorations would be my suggestion. Okay. How's that? Okay. Have fun. How to know if you orgasm? A, a man asking females, we tell you. Yeah. I mean, ask. There are, now, when they have a big one, you know, right? Well, you, if, you you, get, if you get your hair pulled, that's a usually a big I mean, indication. I mean, the big ones you can't miss, right? If you can't tell, then you have no business doing what you're doing. 
<laughs> but not all of them are the same, right? You get some are larger and than others and whatnot. Some have more physical impacts than others. Some of them are just uh, very mild. Yeah. You, you know. know, it's like, oh, man, that was not kind of, oh, the wife was a little disappointing, <laughs> but I had an orgasm, so, you know, I'm yeah. really not going to say anything. And think about it this way, men. It's no different than you. Sometimes orgasms are better than others, right? Now, men are easy. We can tell, generally speaking, even though there are dry orgasms, it does happen. It doesn't happen all that often, but it does happen for men. Mm-hmm. So without ejaculation. But um, but it's the same thing. Not all of them are, not all orgasms are equal. So how do you tell? Ask. Um, if she's kind, she'll probably lie if she didn't have one. So <laughs> I never lied. Well, I never thought that was in my best interest. No, it wasn't. But you could still, you, know, you could still. Uh, well, I, I, I put it gently. I'm always like, look, I had an absolute great time, but I'm a tough nut to crack. Don't worry about it, dude. <laughs> well, and you well, as we say, if you're gonna tell men that the end, the end uh, goal of, of sex isn't orgasm, then the end goal of sex is an orgasm. It's to feel the closeness and the and the thought. But just once you know your partner, you know. Once you know her combinations, you just know. That's one of those things. Enjoy learning your partner. How's that for my answer? There you go. All right, two questions left. I 21. My boyfriend, male 21. To film us while we have sex. How do I ask him about this? Okay, now that's the reversal. That usually goes the other way. So, just ask him. For young men, this one's probably the easy one. Just one day after sex, it's a good time to bring this one up. <laughs> hey, next time you want to... Hey, you're, inter- to, yeah, you're yeah. interested in... Uh, yeah. Filming us? Bring a camera? Hey, what do you think about filming us? Filming one of these things. And my guess is, unless he's that 22-year-old we had earlier, he'll be, <laughs> he's going to be... He'll be perfectly fine with this. Um, but there is a discussion that many people don't talk about. What are you going to do with it afterwards? Because you're both young, and these things live forever, and relationships don't always last. And, you know, if you're going to record something, you have to be prepared for that thing to eventually hit the hit the world. You know, it's not impossible. So before you hit record on these buttons, walk through these things, walk through these potentials and understand the consequences that you may or may not have to face somewhere down the line. Now it's becoming less and less of a big deal, right? No, yeah. one care, no one cares about the proverbial sex tape anymore, but you still may have to deal with it. So there is that. You know, it's not all fun and games, unfortunately. No. So, you know, that is to be considered. All right. Our last question, and I guess suppose it's for you. Okay. Do you queef when you orgasm? Well, it depends. Yeah, there's more than uh a- If you've had something up there that with some girth, you know, then you could have some air up there. 
But if you're just coming at it cold, no, that usually doesn't happen. Yeah, you need some circumstances for for that to happen. You need to have air trapped up there and and then for, you know, the convulsions to kind of squeeze it out. And so there's, you know, there's conditions. Can it happen? Sure, lots of things it happen. Could, it could. Lots of goofy things hap- can happen during sex. <laughs> you know, trust me. Lots farts, of, farts happen. All kinds of things happen during yeah. sex. You know, some of them pleasant, others not. So, some of them you just look at each other and laugh, you know, and you just miss soldier on. Because what else are you going to do? What else are you going to do? Yeah, that body. Yeah, you know, you're you're playing in in areas that have lots of things going on. You, you know, you're down in multi-use areas. Things happen. <laughs> multi-use areas. <laughs> what do you want from me? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is our. This is it for us for this year. We want to thank you for joining us on this year's journey of late night love, and we will uh, see you next, next year. year. Next year, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll probably change the format a little bit during the early year, maybe. Change it, tweak it a bit for radio. I think maybe something we may maybe. want to maybe something we may want to think about. But other than that, um, have a great rest of your 2023, and may your 2024 be brighter than ever before. And uh, that's it for me, Lovey. Good night. Have a happy new year, and please remember to love everybody. Good night. Thank you.